is working the beat, and this is a wrap-up of the 2021 76ers who are about to enter a offseason that are is going to be legendary. I get the feeling. Uh, I'm Kevin Cooney. Mike Kern is joining us, and we're also joined by a special guest, friend of the show, um, from The Athletic, one of the Sixer writers there. Uh, Rich Hoffman, who has overseen just about every part of the process years and now uh, the end of the process in a way. And uh, Rich, how are you? Mike, how are you? Gentlemen, how, Yo. how, what's your reaction on this Monday afterwards? Uh, let's start with Mike. Now, go ahead, Rich. I'd rather <laughs> hear Rich's initial observation. You know, it's funny because I remember the last time I was on this wonderful podcast, I... Uh, I think it was at the end of last season when they were, I don't know if they had fired Brett Brown yet or they were going to, but it was just like, oh man, a lot of crazy off season is coming right now. And it's, it's funny. They had a year, this regular season that was pretty successful. Like Daryl Morey brought these guys in the, uh, the pieces made sense. You got an MVP level season from Joel Embiid, even though he didn't win it because he got hurt in the middle of the season. And it's unbelievable that they had such a bad playoffs that I would say almost all of that goodwill is gone, unfortunately. And we're, I guess, back at square one again, where, yes, I think we are we are entering a uh, a very uncertain offseason. Well, let's first of all declare Rich the official undertaker on this program of <laughs> if we brought him in a couple times and it's been to clean up the mess, if you will. So, um I mean, Mike, and I'll I'll give my viewpoint. Um, I know it went seven. In my mind, this series was lost in game five. I mean, you 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 went to Atlanta and won in game six, but you know, I think game five told you everything you really needed to know about where this franchise is and was, and why they are going to be looking again in another offseason, I think, of some significant change. How significant? Still to be determined, but I think it's still going to be an offseason of significant change. Mike? I think it's a wasted season. I told you this last week, Kevin. Yep. When you were burying them before Game 5, and I said, let them get buried first. Let them, whatever. Well, I buried them after Game 5, but go ahead. It's a worse scenario the way it happened than if they had lost in Game 6. And I told you that. You can't come home and lose game seven. And now it makes you wonder how good the coach is. You know, they obviously had a very good regular season. There's no doubt about it. He, he had to have responsibility for a lot of that. But maybe he's not a good playoff coach. I mean, he's six and six in game sevens at home. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do. He's blown three, three to one leads. His teams have blown five. Uh, of the biggest eight leads in the last however many years. And I'm not here to to, to, to say that Doc Rivers can't coach. But, I mean, I'm hearing people, you know, he's one of the best five coaches. And I'm like, Whatever. Maybe he is. I don't know. He tried to put a picture on it that, whoa, we, it was a good season. No, it wasn't a good season. <clears throat> if you had said before the season, you're going to finish with the best record <clears throat> in the East. Yes, no, we didn't think that. We thought they probably about the third best team. <laughs> perhaps. So maybe they overachieved in the regular season. I don't know. Um, the Nets had injuries, but they had they had to play 20 games without Joel. So, but their performance in the, for him to sit there and tell us. That was a step you know, forward. We're going to learn from this. No, 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 no. Jay Wright can say that, mm-hmm. <clears throat> you know, after they lose a, a game in January to Providence, I get it. But no, 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 no. Not the way it happened. Not with all the Ben Simmons drama. Not with with um the, the the bench, which turned out to be not the bench that anybody thought it was, even though each of them kind of had their moments throughout. You cannot fight all season to get the the home seed, and then lose three games to the fifth seed, a team that had never won a game seven in their history, uh, and their best player shoots five for twenty three. Now, if the Sixers had won and lost to the Bucks, I could live with that. Then I agree. And, and even, and, you know, unless the Bucks swept them or something or, you know, it was something totally outrageous. But, okay, so if you got to a six or a seven against the Bucks and you didn't win, okay, fine. I, you know, it would have been disappointing for sure. And 
the thing I do with Dick Girardi on, on Saturdays, we were sitting there and we said, okay, the, four, the teams that were left at the time, I guess there were six teams that were still left on Saturday morning. And we had the Sixers as the, as the fifth best team. You know, uh, we had them ahead of the Hawks. Right. And, and behind the Bucks and behind the Nets and behind the two out West. So ultimately they just weren't quite good enough. But well, to me, this season, Kevin, is just, it, it's just, it, it's a wasted season. It's another wasted year of Joel Embiid. It's a wasted year of Ben Simmons and on and on and on and on and on. And that's the way well, I feel about it. Let, let, let's not bury the lead. Let's get right into the Simmons talk, Rich. And, and you know, I thought, you know, f- look, Doc Rivers has been his number one advocate. You know, the, the comments in the Washington series when he was asked, and I thought it was a fair question by Kevin Kincaid at the time of, you know, did you consider pull- this was in game four. Did you consider pulling him and Doc scoffed and all that? Well, it turned out Doc somewhere in game three or four of this series realized, holy crap, I can't have Ben Simmons on the floor in the fourth quarter. Kevin, just to say, I think some of what Doc was doing, because it annoyed me too, but he was being the coach. I, you can't you can't bury Ben Simmons in Game Four when you have three when you might have three games left to play or another series left to play. I agree with what but, you're saying, but but my, I guess my question, the Rich, is: Did Doc have a revelation, or was Doc playing coach spin? You think at that point, trying to rebuild yeah. a, a player's confidence? Yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I by the way, I, I agree with um, with Mike's whole um, take on the season, and it really does go to show, like even though there is in a lot of ways, a championship or bus mentality with the Sixers and the NBA and people, all they care about is who wins the rings and all these things. It really does matter how you go out of the playoffs. Like I, I agree with them. If they yeah. lost a respectable series to the bucks in the next round, you could say, all right, Joe Elves hurt. You know, maybe we weren't that good to start the season. Our expectations weren't that high, whatever. Yeah. You, you can't, you can't spin it with this and you mainly can't spin it with Benson who, like you said, Kev, he uh, docked the entire year. I, I got. I mean, it, it doesn't matter to me really, but when we would ask him what he thought about Ben not being aggressive, Ben, his, I would just say like his whole offensive process being bad, mm-hmm. like not getting to the free throw line, not working, not using his jump shot at all, like not d- doing the things that, we have known for years he is going to need to be good against the set half-court defense in the playoffs. Like, the book has been out on him for for years on that. And Doc's answers were always, I mean, they were just unbelievably over the top. Like, you know, like, wh- why don't you talk about what's good, what's good about Ben Simmons? And it's like, no, it's like we, we get that he's he's a very good player and he helps you win a lot of regular season games. It's just like, you know, he took – Celebrate him. He took five <laughs> shots right. tonight. Like, I – I don't, I don't know what to say. And so if you look at Ben Simmons season two, you know, I think a lot of the defensive player of the year talk overshadowed a bad offensive year for Ben Simmons. He had about like a 20 game stretch in the middle of the year. And, and the, the key game was he had 40 points against Gobert in Utah when, when Embiid was out. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were long stretches. I think it was at the beginning of the season, right before that James Harden trade where he almost got moved to, uh, to Houston. And then, at the end of the year, after the all-star break, where like, you were like looking at his numbers in like 15 to 20 game samples. And it's like, man, he's shooting 46% from the field and averaging 12 points and six assists. And it's like, this guy only shoots layups. Like this is just flat out, not good enough. So uh, yeah, I, I think I, I would have said this even before the, uh, the massive collapse, like Doc Rivers clearly, he clearly had a media strategy with Ben Simmons. Like, I am not going to say one bad word about him. I am not going to do the Brett Brown. I want to see one three-point shot. And uh, it didn't work. It didn't work because he, I, I would say Ben Simmons regressed this season um, offensively. So, yeah, I think that's something that uh, you need to look at. And then, like you said, Kev, the, not only were like the last four games of the Hawks series with him taking him out of the, uh, of the game because of free throw shooting, but also his comments after the last couple of games, but specifically last night's game where, I mean, he was like, he went from the biggest cheerleader to just completely honest. Like, I don't know if he's a championship point. Coach. And in fact, let me play that clip. This is David Murphy's question to uh, Doc Rivers last night. Doc, you think 
Ben Simmons can still be a point guard for, for a championship team like the one you guys want to become? Yeah, David, I don't know that question or the answer to that right now. Um, you know, so I don't know the answer to that. What do you- All right, so, I mean, that's pretty clear. I mean, that's – that's it, Doc three weeks ago is saying, absolutely, what are you thinking, you know, and, and all that. And it makes you realize that they have to have some serious questions about him too. Rich, one other question before I'm sure Mike wants to get in here on, on Simmons. Um, there have been talk about Simmons being distracted with stuff going on in his personal life. I guess it involves it, it involves this shooting coach, I think his sister, correct? Some of the rumors out there have been. And has anybody with the Sixers felt like this was a big hindrance on, on Simmons this year? Yeah, I mean, well, Doc acknowledged that today, which I was stunned by because, um, you know, it's it's a very serious allegation that his sister made. You can you can look it up online. I'm not gonna get into it just because right. it's a I mean, it's a really serious thing. But but Doc was asked about it today, and he said, yes, we have talked with him a lot about that. Um, and it's you know, he basically acknowledged like, hey, um, if that happened to me, yeah, that that might have screwed me up as well, um, or that would have screwed me up as well. So, so yeah, do, do I think that could have played a factor in, you know, I don't know, just in, in him being somewhere well-being? else mentally at, at times. I mean, it's tough to look at that dunk last night that he passed up the Bible. And, and, you know, the, the, the significance of that moment is if he goes up and dunks it, it's a tie game. They were never tied after that point. You know, it got to a one-point game. Atlanta extended it to three, then I think maybe extended it to five at one point. And, but they were never equal with Atlanta after that point with 3.30 to go. And it just, it, it was so jolting, and it just kind of felt like it summed up everything about what Simmons has been. It just ha- it just felt that way. Um, I don't know what it felt like in the building or not, but. It was stunning in the building. I mean, we were on press row, like, oh, my God, like right away. That is that's going to follow him for the rest of his career. I've never seen anything like that. It just goes to show, you know, whatever the reasoning, you know, whether it's personal issues, whether it's just that he can't make a free throw and that's, that's screwing him up, whatever the reason. This was a player who I don't think we have ever seen a player of his caliber, you know, a three-time all-star lose confidence like that in the playoffs. Like I've seen guys choke in the playoffs and play poorly. Saw Paul George last year, hit the side of the backboard in the bubble. I, I've never seen somebody pass up a dunk because he's not looking at the rim because he doesn't want to shoot and he doesn't want to shoot in the fourth quarter of the entire series. And he talked about Gallinari being behind him. Gallinari was about four or five feet behind him and would never got there. And the help guy was Trey Young. I mean, that's a you're doing a chin up on the rim if you want. Man. It doesn't matter if Gallinari was there. No, that's the whole point. Oh, I'm saying that was his excuse. He should, go up, he should be dunking Gallinari through the basket. Yeah. And then going to the line and shooting. It, this is the, the problem with all this is, and I heard what they were saying. There's a big story about how the Sixers now Doc's going to work with them. They're going to hit the. This is not a physical issue. It's a mental issue. He's a mental midget. Whether it's the thing with his sister, whether it was the free throw shooting, and I think that that turned him into a mat. It turned him into a ghost. What Washington did to them with, with him in the, in the first series. And he said, oh, my God, now Atlanta's going to do it too? He is – there's something – you can hear it in his answers. God, his answer was, well, what did you think, Ben? Well, yeah, but, but yeah, I had 13 assists. Uh, you, you know, uh, Trey Young had a bad game. Is that really the way he looks at this? I, I mean, Ben, there's never been a player like you in the history of, the, of basketball. You take no shots. You come across half court. You're the point guard. You hand the ball off and you go in the corner and sit there. And you can't make them a forward because they'll do the same thing. So I don't know what you do to fix this, but it might take Sigmund Freud. It's not going to be Doc Rivers. The ironic part was I, I thought Nate McMillan and Rich, I, I thought Nate McMillan was actually okay with on the hack of Ben's strategy. I didn't think he overdid it. Hell, I thought he could have done it in game three, and he never did. Yeah, but who cares if he overdoes it? He's allowed. Yeah, but it's still screwed up. It still screwed Simmons' mind up. No, Scotty Brooks screwed him up. Well, he got screwed up in the Washington series and it, and it just carried over. He had the deer in the head. Like, you shoot 33. 
said, Kevin, in all seriousness, I haven't shot a basketball in 20 years. I'm pretty sure I could go to the line and maybe hit one-third of my free throws. And I'm not getting paid $30 million a year to do so. It, it is just – and I've always been on Ben's side. I've always given him the benefit of that. Yeah, he does this. He does this. He does this. But you can't. You you can't. And you can hear it in the way Embiid answered the question last night. Yep. And I'm sure Embiid was speaking for everybody. Look, did Tobias miss some bunnies that he should have made? Sure. Maybe, maybe, but at least he tried. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you you can't have that. If, if you know, and and everybody has seen it now. This it's not a secret. It's out there. This is who he is, and he's got a lot of damage control. You know, if he wants to be what he can be, and I don't know if he ever can be. I don't know. Who knows? Rich is Daryl Morey is scheduled to talk on Tuesday to the media, and obviously he's not going to lay out the state secrets, but. Do you think they believe if you get look, they almost moved them for Harden. If but they, that but that one you can rationalize. It's like that's you know, from Ben's perspective, well, they're they're moving me for James Harden. James Harden is, I don't know, one of the five best players in the that's league. It's a no it's a no yeah. brainer. Now, so, now what, so what so what do you think the mindset is within the within Camden's complex right now about this group? Or about it, that that player? Yeah. I, I would say that, you know, without you know, hearing and without talking to him on this, the there's no way that you can't be exploring trades for Ben Simmons and thinking really hard about that. I mean, this series was that damaging to the player and to the team. I mean, it's just, it, I, you know, it, and it's it's two things. It was, I mean, obviously he hasn't worked on his or he hasn't implemented the areas of his game for years, but this was also with just a mental breakdown too. So it's, I mean, one of the worst possible scenarios ever, I guess, you know, I understood there were a lot of takes after the game. A lot of people saying he's never going to play another game in Philadelphia again. And I think probably in an ideal world, that would be the best thing for every party. Here's the problem. His trade value is probably at an all time. low, And the other problem is that he is the last chip they can trade before they say, all right, we got to move Joel, and then you're rebuilding the whole thing, which I don't think they're going to do, obviously. But I'm just saying, like, they don't have anything of great value anymore on this team. They have, you know, they have Maxi, they have, you know, Matisse, they have these guys who are nice players on the bench. They can be throw-ins and trades. But in terms of picks and star players, Ben Simmons has, you know, honestly, for a couple of years, been the last trade they can make. And they have to make that when his value is at an all-time low. Hey, maybe there is a GM that's like, he's perfect for our team. We're willing to take this on. And he has a player that, and the other thing too is like, you can't get picks back in a trade too. You need a guy who can help Embiid win now. So it's tough. That I guess that's my my way of saying like, yeah, I think they're absolutely going to look at exploring but, him. But can either of trade. you guys looking at what just happened? And I don't care what happens in the offseason. They can send out videos of Ben hitting 80-foot shots. I don't really care. That would be impressive. That would be impressive. But if he comes back next year, and then they make some changes, they do what they're going to do, and 10 games into the season, he still hasn't taken a shot outside of three feet. And I know winning cures everything. If you win, people, okay, we're winning. But I think this town now is so down on him that unless he really changes, which I'm not sure he can do, this town I just think is ready to turn on him, and, and and I think he's the kind of person that will fight back. He'll fight, and I just think this could really turn in. I hope I'm wrong, but I think if he stays, this is going to turn into an ugly, ugly thing. Rich, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. The idea that winning cures all, and I look in the regular season, he is a valuable player. I, I am making no bones about that. Yep. Like over the past couple of years too, and th- this has gotten, he's gotten more more and more neck and neck with Embiid. Like when Embiid is out, they've always been pretty average to terrible. The last couple of years when Ben Simmons is out, they, they just, and, and part of it is their roster that they don't have ball handlers and passers yeah. and, and those things, but they don't look like the same team. Um, I, but Mike, I, I do agree with you that like winning does cure all. And, you know, the Sixers had this great regular season. So I think a lot of people were willing to overlook the structural problems in Ben Simmons game. He was always going to run in to a team that was going to stop him. Now, am I surprised that it was the Atlanta Hawks that stopped him 
And, and am I surprised it was to this extent? Yes, but this was predictable in some way. Or and, and Rich, don't you, though, in the regular season, play a lot more open court basketball just sure. because you're not playing a team six or seven times? And that's where Ben thrives or can thrive. When sure. you and, play half-court ball, man, that is definitely not his game. No, and, you know, honestly, like the Boston Celtics gave him the template his yeah. first season. He 17-18, he wins Rookie of the Year. He's unbelievable down the stretch of that season. Embiid ran into Markel Fultz's shoulder, if you remember. And he's, right. you know, they're rolling off and, win after and win. And he played fairly well against Miami in that first round, correct? Yeah. Yes, he did. Yeah, he's played well in the first round a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. it's pretty funny. I, I didn't think the Hawks, the Hawks were clearly the worst second round team he has ever played, but there's a mental block between the first. The, the second round is when it starts getting real. Like if you're a top yeah, seed, you can right. play bad deep. Like they played Brooklyn a couple years ago. He had a 30 point game in Brooklyn. Like, and and that's why, you know, Kev, I remember the second game of the year or the second game of the playoffs after he, you know, he had a million assists and rebounds in that game one against Washington, but he comes out and has an aggressive first half of that second game. And he has like 18 points and plays a great game. People are doing victory laps. And I'm like, guys, this is not the, the final <laughs> boss here. Like it's, right. I don't know when it's going to happen. I, I said at the time, it's probably going to be the conference finals, but like, I was like, this is going to get real pretty quickly here. It's going to be a lot different. But I think, I think the main point in all this, well, there's a couple factors. One, I think for the player and the organization, they just can't, they can't bring it back. They can't. It, 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 it's at a point where I don't think the player's ever going to grow here. I think we have seen his best time here. And this is a tough place to play if you can't focus or if you are willing to stay status quo. And I think there's a sense that he's just happy being guy who makes all-star team. You know, he's not, he doesn't have the LeBron ticker. You know, he doesn't have that burning desire of, I got to be in the finals every year. Or at least he doesn't exude it. It's not his personality. And this is a bad fit because whatever happens in this town, whether it's false hustle or whatever, people want to see that heart on the sleeve. And they're never going to get that from Simmons. Never. They love Embiid. When Embiid cries two years ago after Brooklyn, oh my God, look how much it hurt Joel Embiid and look how much he's improved since then and all that. When when Chase Hutley did stuff and when... You know, Brian Dawkins, people love that in this town. And he just isn't a fit here. He just isn't. And I think for him, I think for him. He wants Kevin. He wants to be smooth. And this isn't a smooth town. Well, I mean, at a different time, Doc was smooth, but Doc also also busted his ass. I mean, in a strange way. Yeah. And Doc Doc could be tough. Yeah. I'm I'm not saying that Ben's not tough. I don't mean that. I think there are times when he can be a a very kind of hard-nosed player. Like I said, I don't think this is a physical thing. Yeah, I think it's between his ears. And you can tell just by the looks he's giving people when he's trying to answer questions that he ain't going to change. I don't care what Doc does in the summer unless it's it's a it's a change between you know his his ears. It it isn't going to matter. It, because eventually, like Rich just said, it's, we're eventually we're going to get the same player. Rich, do you read any into anything that he's not going to play for Australia in the Olympics? No. I, I think that, to me, strikes me as more like this has been a tough month for me. And yeah. also, like, he's played a lot of basketball. So yeah. I, I, I don't really read too much into that. I mean, I think it's a good idea, honestly. Like, I, I you know, get I think away. a lot of people are like, a lot of people were saying like, Oh, you know, the best practice is to, to play in the games. And I, you know, if he played in the Olympics for his home country, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I mean, he said after the game last night, I got to get my, my mentality. Right. And so I think that that would be a tough thing to do when you got to play in the Olympics. In and I don't think, weeks. I think Australia was really counting on him because apparently they think they have a chance to medal. And obviously they're good. Ben, yeah. You know, they got a good team. I don't think we should underestimate Kevin or Rich because we don't know. And Rich alluded to this early in this conversation, the impact of what he allegedly or supposedly is going through with his sister. And, you know, without getting into all the details, it's a really, really personal thing. Apparently it's dividing their family. Mm-hmm. And that's not, 
you know, I can sit here and say, well, you still got to, when it's time to play basketball, you got to play basketball. But I have no idea. And may, maybe it doesn't have any impact. Maybe it's just Ben being Ben. But until we find out, we may never find out what exactly that is. This could be, this could be part of the reason that he's like this. I, I don't know. So I will give him that much. You know, I know I've been tough on him here, but, but again, and we're never going to find out, but there's something wrong. You, you can tell a, by watching him on the court. I, I mean, I can't imagine the Ben Simmons of last year, no matter how bad he was playing would not, would not have dunked that ball with three and a half minutes to go. I, I can't imagine that he wouldn't have done that. Right. Rich, but I've, I've never seen a guy make a play like that ever no. in that situation. No, and to me, like I said, whether it ends now or a year from now or whatever, that's the defining moment of Ben Simmons' career in Philadelphia. Absolutely. I mean. Unless I, he wins a title. Yeah. You know, that's the only way you get rid of if, if he's lifting a trophy a couple years from now, whether it's here or somewhere, then that will go away. Well, but in Philadelphia – if it's not he, if, well, if it's a trophy in Philadelphia, well, but that's know, it. Right? I mean, that's the only way, and I'm not sure. I'm not but, sure either. Uh, take Ben out of the equation because he's clearly the one who's had his reputation hit the most in because of what happened in this series and what happened in this playoffs. Is Doc second in 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 this sense of boy, those rotations were weird. I mean, I, I get he did that in the regular season, but. Second round of the playoffs, you're going 10 deep. You're, you're throwing Shake Milton and Thibault out there at key moments of the game. It just didn't feel right. <laughs> yeah, I, I think Doc is probably the, the clear number two, in part because of his history, and this has been his MO over the past few years. I So I, I want to stay consistent with the coaching because I think I, I said last year when, when Brett Brown got fired, it was time to go for him. Like at some point they, yeah. were, they were tuning him out. But I didn't think he was the main problem with that team. Mm-hmm. Like that was a that was a misshapen roster. Mm-hmm. And, and I will say this: like since I have been covering the Sixers, that was the worst coach playoff series I have seen. Like Brett Brown against Toronto when they lost, way better than that. Adjustments, wow. rotations, everything. And he had a little bit better of a team, but still, I mean, he was playing a much better team too. Um, I don't think Brett ever lost a series where he had the the best team. So the the one thing I will say though is. I think you saw a little bit with Doc, like he he had this bench rotation that he used during the year. It worked out good. They had Dwight Howard, you know, to give energy off the bench. They played this all bench group because it's weird that we're saying this right now, but when Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons play on the court during the regular season, the Sixers kill teams. That's just the way it works. And and it maximized it for, for the most part. I, but I agree. Like it's the sticking with the Dwight Howard group. That's one thing. He, I thought the worst thing Doc did the entire series was he gave away game one because he started with Danny, Danny Green, Green guarding Trey Young, which was like as much as you know Ben is taking heat right now. He is clearly the matchup for Trey Young. Like it's it's Trey Young. He shot five of twenty three last night. I I, know, I get that he can go against switches and that's not that's a lot of Joel on the back end too, making life hard for him. But that was a ridiculous decision, and they got blitzed in the first half of game one. Rich, let me throw this at you and Kevin, because this is what I was was going through my mind watching that game last night. Ben Simmons played scared. He played scared. I think Doc Rivers coached scared. It was almost like he was feeling the pressure of, I got to win this game. You know, not because you want to win game seven. You want to win game seven. You want to keep playing. But because that, I think that's like the four straight one he's lost or something, whatever whatever the numbers were. But I really think he didn't have any answers last night. And, and it wasn't like he had – it was almost like he was throwing darts at the board and hoping he came up with something. And maybe that's the team's fault. Maybe that's not Doc's fault. But I just think they played like a team – because Atlanta didn't play a great game. No, they were awful I mean, for a lot of it, they, to be honest. Right. But the Sixers just had that look about it, them – that they were afraid of the moment because they knew if they didn't win, it was going to be a bad, bad, bad moment. And that's what it turned out to be. Because if they had figured out a way to win that game somehow, some way, we all would have, I mean, we wouldn't have totally forgot about all this because they would have been playing more games. They would have had a chance. But it, it wouldn't have, we wouldn't be talking like we are now because so, we would have had two more weeks of games to be played, and to, you know, to see what happened. But I just think 
they played those two people, the coach and Ben, not everybody else on the team, but they played scared. So two notes that I have on Doc that I was thinking when I was watching the game. The first is that I, I do think the Sixers overachieved a little bit in yes. the regular season. They, a lot of, I mean, Simmons is obviously a massively flawed player. Uh, Tobias had a great year. I thought Doc did a great job with him for the most part. Mm-hmm. But you look at their role guys, pretty much all of them, I wouldn't call them versatile. They're, they're, they have very defined strengths and weaknesses. And here is, in my opinion, the best example. Seth Curry, the shooting he had in that series was absolutely tremendous. And it's insane that one family could produce three level, uh, three unbelievable shooters like that. Well, your family produced two gate writers. Sure. Yeah. Well, the, <laughs> but, but then on the other end, Seth Curry defensively is, is awful. Just target practice. Kevin Herter. Just, wow. I mean, and it's, you it lost has no much- Catholic league North guy. <laughs> That's basically what that guy was. He played at Doherty for God's sake. No, sakes. he was he was he was Cody Ross from 2010. Oh my God! Yeah. So right, so, Two so that's part of it, Doc, right? Yeah, yeah. Go ahead, <laughs> that's Rich. Go ahead, Rich. So that's part of it. Like, and and I could just keep going up and down the rotation. I think Matisse Dybul is going to be a very good NBA player for a long time. On offense, he is a problem right now. It's just the flat out truth. Danny Green, when he played, I think he was probably their fourth best player. If you have to have him play against any sort of quick guard, that guy is going by him, and he also can't dribble on the other. So in some ways, I do think, like, for Doc, it's a tough puzzle to put together in the playoffs because that's what teams do. They pick and on your weaknesses. And then when you lost green, you had to put Cork Moss. Well, you put Cork Moss. You didn't have to, but. Yeah, and you, I mean, not the well, greatest played, move in the world. Well but... one, he played well for one quarter, right? That first quarter <laughs> yeah. he put him in, he had, like, okay. 11 points. Guy, so, Rich. <laughs> so, so he kept, you know, he had this like 10 man rotation and I agree that's too many for the playoffs, but I do think part of it was like, once you get past like the seventh, eighth, and George Hill wasn't good either. Like the, the seventh, eighth guys, I, he just was like, I have no idea what they're going to give me on every night. Like this could be a Maxi night. It could be a built night or they both could be awful. Who knows? So that's one thing. The other thing that I thought, and, and this is, a problem with what he did in the regular season. He did not experiment enough in the regular season. He stuck with that all bench group. And he was like, we're playing Dwight Howard as the backup center. So by the time he got to the playoffs, he had not really worked on anything else. Like I think the obvious answer would have been try Ben Simmons at center. It might not be a panacea, but just try it because the Dwight lineups are just, you're just trying not to get killed in them. I thought last night Dwight shouldn't have been in that game. He was not, that was not a game for Dwight Howard. I agree. He was he's unplayable, and it's not really Dwight's fault. It's just no. that he plays with four guards who just can't really create offense. So yeah. when you have such a limited player who's also clogging up your spacing, it's it's not the game for him. So I, I do think like Doc deserves some criticism in that like next year like experiment a little more, experiment with switching lineups with Ben Simmons at center. You don't have to win every regular season game. So I thought they were a little unprepared. And they actually and they actually came out that way in game five against Washington, where they obviously Ben they started at the at the center spot and they had a they had energy. I mean they they had a little bump there early, but uh, go ahead, Mike. I'm sorry. Oh no, no, Kevin, that's fine. Rich, why was George Hill <laughs> such a disappointment? Was it his do you think his finger never really healed? Or was it just a because because I'm sure the expectations they had when they made that trade, that he, he was going to have some kind of an impact coming off the bench, and it never happened. Yeah, there was a lot of expectation for him. Like, like obviously, they they tried to get Kyle Lowry. Toronto's asking price was just too much for them. I I, I really – I think Kyle Lowry definitely would have helped them a lot. Um, I, I didn't really hate that decision by them. But, yeah, they thought George Hill was going to be a lot better. I mean, Daryl Morey in his – press conference after they got George Hill. He was like, he basically was like, George Hill gives us an option if Seth is getting killed on defense. That He didn't say it in those words, but he was like, we have a guy who's who's not just an offensive player and not just a defensive player. And, you know, George Hill is a decent defensive player. He was terrible on offense. And I do think the, the thumb was a little more of an issue than maybe the – they initially expected, but it just, it was really weird. I mean, for a veteran player who's had a nice career, he was just a very unconfident player for the most part on offense. And I, I can't really explain that. He also looked a step slow compared to what I think everybody expected. I mean, and he's 35, so I I shouldn't 
have been surprised. But he looked like he he looked like a washed up fighter. To be bluntly honest, isn't that what the Flyers used to do, Kevin? They would get a thirty five. He was he, he, he was the NBA version of Dale Howard Chuck at the end. Yes, um, that's the first time that that comparison's ever. Oh, been. absolutely. You know, well, you know, ESPN's going to have them in in the NHL next year, so you got to start cross pollinate. Um, let me uh, let me take this a bigger picture for the organization. Obviously, this was a year that everything kind of opened up if they have yeah. for a title. And it will probably never get that open again. You know, in a sense of, yes, Brooklyn may still have injury issues, but Brooklyn's still pretty stacked. Atlanta looks like they're going to be there because of Trey. And, 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 and Collins played a really good series, I thought, too. Um, you know, there there's there's some, you know, there's some depth here in the East, and it's going to get tougher for them than it was this year. Um, you know, and even if you want to say the Knicks are back a little bit here as well. Well, and, and I think what we learned from this season, I think heading into this year, the, the pessimistic take on the Sixers was like, maybe they're like a bottom tier East playoff team because of all these teams. And then you had teams like the Heat disappoint, the Celtics disappointed. But I will say like the Celtics disappointed, they still have two studs on the wing. Like, yeah. I don't think they're you know, the bottom is falling out of that organization. And, and Brad will not trade both of them at this point. He, you know, or he's not going to trade one of them at this point. No, no. And, and, and I mean, in some ways it looked like they had the year from hell that the Sixers had last year. And I think what you are getting at, and I, and I agree with you is that from year to year, this could change pretty quickly. Like I don't think the Sixers have, they have Embiid. He's great. Like they're, they're not going to be a bad team as long as he's in the rotation. But the idea that you're going to be the one seed every year and you're going to have this, like you said, just like unbelievable path to the the finals. I mean, I feel like the whole month of April and May, we were just talking about like, can they get the one seed? Because that is a huge deal. It has nothing to do with whether they're even playing well in the first two series. They should make the conference finals. And for them to not do it, it uh, I, look, it is a massive missed opportunity. I don't think with the way they played in these first two rounds, they would have beat Milwaukee, not with that Ben Simmons. But, like, I mean, you might as well take the shot while you're at it, you know. Think about this, guys. Think about this. If I had told you three weeks ago, whatever, this is what you got to do to win the NBA title. You're going to have to beat Washington, Atlanta, Milwaukee, and probably Phoenix. Everybody in the world would have signed up for that. Not meaning that you're going to – Or the Clippers without Kawhi, yeah. Okay. You don't have no LeBron, Mm -hmm. okay? You have have no Nets, okay? Um, I'm leaving. No Utah. I, I mean, who wanted to say, said, "Hey, I mean, that's three of the obstacles that maybe you don't know you could deal with that aren't even there to deal with." And I agree with you, Rich. I, I, at this point, right now, I don't think they would have beat the Bucs. but they could have. Yeah. You know, we we don't know, and you don't get opportunities like now. That doesn't mean next year or the year after they they, you know, they might just be good enough. It might be their year, but. I think that's what's so frustrating is that you should be playing the Bucs with a 50-50 chance to get to the finals. And that obviously is not happening. I mean, you would have been hosting the Bucs to make the with right. home court advantage. And you lost three out of four games at home against the Hawks, which is just ridiculous. Like what I mean, forget even how they lost the games. But they won crazy. two out of three. They won two out of three in Atlanta, though. Give them credit for that. Yeah, which I would have never thought, but I mean, it's just, yeah, it's all bad, man. It's all bad. All right, so what does this do for the organization going forward? I mean, does it... Look, I'm going to editorialize here, okay? I think there are some people in that organization who have puffed their chest out because they see a full building, they saw what the process did, they saw a lot. Now, granted, some of those people are on the marketing end, and they had nothing to do with it. Um, and, and and they feel like you know they accomplished something when in actuality, you never got to an East final, or you 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 are now four years into this, you have never gotten to an East final, and you mentioned that's a big hurdle for them. It has to be a little humbling, doesn't it, for everybody connected with that organization to, to look at what's going on here. 
Yeah. I mean, again, I, I've never covered something like this, Kev. So I, I would think so. Like, I, I guess I, I haven't paid attention to like, what was the day to day for the Clippers like this year after yeah. that ridiculous loss? I know. I mean, doc was part of that, but he, he left town. So he, he kind of started with a fresh slate. I mean, that that's a straight up embarrassing playoff loss. There's, there's no way around it. Like the whole organization, it is it's just bad. I mean, you have a, you have a core group of players that, yeah, I agree with you. Like, they're, they do. I wouldn't say. They're, they're, trust, like uh, they're, let's be honest. This team, personnel-wise, a little bit with their front office, a little bit with their ownership group. They're a bit. They're a bit of front runners in a sense of when everything's going great. Yeah, they beat their chest and they are awesome, and they will not be afraid to tell you how awesome they are. And then when you get pushed a little, that's when the the you know they, they turn you know diamonds uh, to use the old Charles Barkley line about their going to have diamonds coming out of the rear end because they're so tight. You you would like to see the team just win a, you know, win a series or I don't know, a stretch of games where they were a little more resilient and it just hasn't happened. And I, I agree with you. They have been a great front running team, which is not always a, um, it's not a bad not trait. Like, that's just, not a diss. I mean, if you're getting in front a lot, that's a good thing. Yeah. Means you're, you're blowing out teams, but I do agree with you. Like that's, you know, they have not handled adversity as well, at least on the court. And yeah, it is funny that like, you know, when Ben Simmons and everything's going great, you just hear, why don't we appreciate this guy? And we have all these things and it, it turned very quickly in a way that it probably shouldn't have. There probably should have been a middle ground where, Oh wow. Your team struggled a little bit, but you made it through this series. And I think like Atlanta has got to feel great because they weren't as good as the Sixers and they beat them. And they could and they if could you get were swept. a betting person <laughs> in the way too early, whatever, do you think Ben is going to be here next year, next season, or not? I would say just thinking about it right now, I, I would be pretty close to 50-50 just because I think the trade value is going to be hard. But if you're making me yeah. pick one or the other, he is not on the roster at the beginning of next season. Okay. And that, and it's $140 million over four years, right? Yep. And, and that's... I mean, that's another great question because, you know, I think as recently as last year, he's okay. You know, he's not LeBron James where you're, uh, you're stealing money by giving him a max contract, but it's not an albatross by any means. I mean, I think if you're a team that has actual playoff aspirations and you watch Ben Simmons over these last couple of weeks here, it might be a negative value contract for a team that really wants to play playoff basketball until he proves otherwise. Will because, and B get a Supermax this offseason? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Even with the Which injury is, history. Even with the injury concerns. Well, well, we'll see what they do with that because they, you know, Brian Colangelo, when he he was the one who signed Embiid to the last one, he put in a certain level of, you know, I think it was Kickers, like play, uh, right. games played restrictions on it or something like that. I mean, at this point, it's, you know, the Supermax is, is a tricky thing, like in the NBA. It's, you know, I, I think initially it was meant to create a system where small markets could keep their stars because they thought that extra money and the, the extra raises would be a, uh, a way to do it. The problem is for, like, some of these teams, they get scared off. They're like, ah, I'm not sure, you know, it's the Kemba Walker-Charlotte thing. I'm not sure we can really give you that much money because it's not worth it to us. And Bede's a different story. And Bede's worth it if he plays. He's completely worth it but yeah that injury history i mean look it's, it's, it's a scary. risk it's a huge you know risk. What it reminds me of kevin a little bit not quite the ryan howard situation. oh yeah a little if bit they, if the phillies had not paid ryan howard the city would have went nuts okay even though we might have sat there and said that's oh, a little risky whatever i mean anytime said it's the same thing with joel if, the, if they came out other than joel getting hurt again next year let's say and and missing significant amount of time again if you didn't sign him and he ends up going somewhere at the age of 29 or 30 and maybe winning a title somewhere else, or whatever, whatever happened, mm-hmm. I just think this time, because then you'd almost be back to square zero. Oh, you would. Yeah. Without ever getting past the second round, which really makes the organization look like just a, a dud. And from a marketing standpoint, the guy who is the face of the franchise and who is the most. Sure. Sure. Probably the most beloved player of any sport in the city right now. Because Absolutely. Of, yeah, because 100%. of his attitude. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Rich, my last question for you, and, and Kern and I talked about this last week. I mean, you, you grew up here, and obviously with your dad, you were 
aware of everything that went on, you know, in the history with this city. The the the, the million dollar question is on on epic collapses, epic failures. I mean, is this 2011 Phillies? Is this 2002 Eagles losing to the Bucks? I mean, kind of want to pick your brain. You're a little younger. Well, you're a lot younger than Mike and I, but um, I remember those. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I remember those. But I mean, where, where do you put it at this point? I think it's it might be number one. I mean, honestly, it, it's a little different because the 2011 Phillies could have won the world series. And I'm not sure this team could have won the NBA championship if they advanced, but in terms of like disappointing a team, just underachieving in the playoffs, this one is way up there. And I think it's, it's worse because it's the NBA too, right? Like right. the Eagles, that bucks game was so disappointing. I'll never forget. My dad telling me he's like, that was the one when they were at home against the bucks last game at the vet. He was like, had my bags packed for yep. San Diego. I forget right. where it was. Or whatever. Yeah, like, it was. That was and Joe Jarevicius. And you were going to play the Raiders. Yeah. Who stunk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joe Jarevicius. I'll never forget Barry Gardner trying to chase yeah. him and just it, it not really working. That was, I mean, I'll tell you, that was probably the most disappointing loss of, uh, of my childhood for sure. I agree. The, uh, so, but like that can happen in a football game, right? That's like a one-off shot. The, the thing I, I like about the NBA is that upsets rarely happen because you have to beat a team four times, number one. And if the upset does happen, a team earns it. Like the Hawks beat them four times, three times on their home court. So for the Sixers who have a better team to lose a series in that fashion, and also, I mean, the blown, the game five, like you said earlier, Kev, was like, you were kind of leading with this. I'll never forget, like, being there for that game. Maybe the game seven will be a little more forgettable. I remember the the Ben passing up the dunk. The game five collapse was, I mean, it was crazy. I've never seen really anything like that and for a team. That and it happened so, quick. And it yeah. wasn't like it was like went from 26 to 24, uh, from, from 26 to 20 midway through the third and 10 at the end of the third or whatever. It was like. You looked up at midway through the fourth, you're taking the pretty comfortable, and then five minutes or two minutes later, they're they're basically tied. And and four for fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the terrible free throw shooting from him. And the other thing I'll always remember about that game, and God, I think Tobias Harris had a pretty good season. Like obviously he's not an amazing player for his contract. And and he struggled a little bit over the past, you know, he couldn't make a layup, like Mike said last night. Uh, I agree with that. Uh for him to have a stinker of that level in that game, it was tough, man. Like he was legitimately shook at the end of that game. And yeah. that uh, I will, I will always remember that. And doc throwing in the bad bench lineup too. It's just, yeah, that, that was a really bad one. I think the two Oh two Eagles, Kevin to, to, I mean, you know, black Friday was bad 77, but like I said, that, that, that was bad to my generation, but then, you know, they won the, the World Series three years later. I mean, I'm sure the 64 fills to another group of people that that but, was. But the 202, because well, they were supposed to win that game. And they were supposed to win it rather easily. And they would have beaten the Raiders. Well, and, and so I, fill it up. And, they and, wouldn't have had to wait another 15 years for right. the elusive Super Bowl. Well, but Mike, I'll also throw this out. You look at that, and I mentioned this last week. You look at that Bucks team. Yeah, John Lynch, you had Derek Brooks, you had Warren Sapp. Well, we didn't say that. At the no, time, no, Kevin. but I'm saying. All we said were that the Bucs had Johnson at quarterback, and they had never won a game under 38 degrees yeah. or whatever right. it was. <laughs> but, and, the Eagles, and the Eagles scored a minute into the game. But I think that. Seven to nothing, and they scored a field goal right. the rest of the game. Right. I, I think, though, that and I, maybe the way I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it is you see the pedigree now of what the, those Bucks were. And you That's see fine. the pe- well, and, 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 and like, young might be the greatest small guard ever to play the game in ten years, but maybe. right now, yeah, but, but it's still Kevin. It's still Kevin Harder. It really it's Brad, is. It's Kevin. It's Brad Johnson. <laughs> Brad freaking I'm, Johnson. I, I mean, it, it, but uh, you know, you look at like the '93 Blue Jays, and you had Alomar and and, and Devon White and Joe Carter and Molitor, and you know, but Ricky was on that. I mean, oh, 93 wasn't because they weren't supposed to be right. there. Was, I mean, so you can look at all yeah. these uh-huh. in my mind. This one is the toughest to swallow. Last game at the vet. Well, yeah. Last game at the vet. Hey, think about this. Bogdanovich was one for nine last night 
and really didn't even do anything. And, and, and Trey and, and Trey was a non-factor until the final three minutes. Yeah, and five of twenty-three won. from the field. That's what Doc said. He the first thing he did. He looked down. Five for twenty-three. Screen. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, Rich, I have to ask you a technical question. I usually don't do things like this by her. Okay, so any time in this series that the that the Hawks wanted to get it to well, they ran a pick and roll, and every time that Joel came out to get Trey Young coming into the lane. He never blocked the shot once, I don't think. Yet he kept coming. And what they did was then they threw dunks behind him. At some point, didn't the Sixers need to change the strategy, especially because Joel wasn't getting out to Trey at the foul line? Or am I just oversimplifying something? A little bit of oversimplifying. But I, I do okay. think that he, he definitely he definitely made some really nice passes to Capella over the yeah. top. And Absolutely. That's, and that's part of the reason why Ben Simmons is kind of a frustrating guy. Like Trey young is how the modern NBA is set, like spread the floor, run a pick and roll. And, you know, God bless him for how good he is. The league is built for small guys like that. You can't put your hands on him, And obviously he does all the flopping and stuff like that. And you have a decision to make when he runs a pick and roll, you can essentially give up a three to Trey young. You can give a floater to Trey young. Or you can gamble and play up and maybe block a shot, but you run the risk of that. And I, I do think for Embiid, he made a few mistakes. I actually thought he was pretty good defensively for most of the series. I thought he handled it pretty well. I'm not blaming him. I, I'm just saying is you're not going to get to but, Trey Young. But there was no then, adjustment. Okay, come on, like come up with it. And let me ask this: If Ben Simmons could think about this, if Ben Simmons could do one thing, develop that little float shot that yeah. we've seen so many guys in these playoffs now become really and he's six nine or six ten so no i mean couldn't he just do that and well, try to come up with that the, the problem is the reason trey gets that float shot is he could shoot threes and you have to go over the screen right, initially okay. to get Fair that point. shot but Fair point. I, I do agree like that that floater that mid-range it's not the uh the analytically perfect shot but in the playoffs like defenses are really good and that's what you have to get so yeah rich hoffman who with Derek bodner covered the Ups and then the collapsing down. Of enjoy the your 20, long, enjoy 20, your long off. It's not a long off season because as, it's going to be as long rich, for him. Well, all right, Plus, it's going to be an it's going to be an active off season. I think we both. Well, I think okay, we all agree, well, right? Yep. Yep. Never dull. Rich, thanks a lot, Mike. Thank you very much. Okay, I, babe. All right, we will see you guys n- later this week. We're going to have a, a regular show this week. Again, thanks to Rich, thanks to Mike, thanks to you for listening. This has been Work of the Beat.